Well, as you know, today is the first Sunday in the season of Advent. Advent is the liturgical season that begins the church year. It's the four weeks, give or take a couple of days, that precedes Christmas Eve and Christmas. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival. Certainly, the Advent season is spent remembering Jesus' arrival. We remember the eternal Son, begotten of the Father, taking on human flesh, spending time in utero, emerging from the womb of the Virgin Mary in the same way that you and I emerged from our mother's wombs. During Advent, Adventus, we remember Jesus' first arrival, his mysterious, marvelous, and mind-bending incarnation. But Advent is not simply a season of remembering. Advent is not simply a time to reflect fondly over the first coming of Christ, to simply cherish our nativity sets as if the best has already come, as if the incarnation of Jesus was the resolution to the story of the cosmos. Advent, too, is a time to anticipate Christ's second coming, his second arrival, his second Adventus. It's a time to long for, pine for, yearn for Christ to come back to make all things new, to set all things straight, to make all things right, to reorder our disordered world and our disordered hearts, to heal every wound, to forgive every sin, to wipe away every tear from our eye, to usher in a new creation, to recreate Eden's idyllic bliss. Advent is about remembering and anticipating, looking back and reaching forward, recalling Christ's first incarnate coming and longing for his ultimate redemptive return. This first Sunday in Advent is Hope Sunday. And I don't think that this is a coincidence. The first Sunday in Advent is Hope Sunday because Advent is fundamentally Hopeful. If you were to get out your microscope and observe the compositional makeup of hope, if you were to take a look at the DNA of hope at a molecular level, you would see that hope is made up of intertwining spindles of memory and expectation, of remembering and longing, of recalling and anticipating, of looking back and reaching forward. The Advent season is a season of hope. And hope, hoping, is not wishing. Wishing lacks remembering. Wishing has no past to look back upon. Wishing is simply a desire for things to be different than they currently are. But hope, hope looks back on the past and knows what has happened will happen again. Hope is grounded and rooted. It's concrete and unshakable. It's putting the past on like lenses that refract the light of our current reality in such a way that even through the present difficulties and challenges, we see a future that is immeasurably far better than anything we could ask for or imagine. During this Adventist season, we remember Christ's incarnation and long for his return. We recall Jesus in the manger and anticipate him riding in on the clouds. We look back on his humble entry to earth 
and reach forward for a seat at his messianic banquet. During this Adventist season, we exercise our memory and expectation muscles. Put simply, during Advent, we hope. We hope. On this Hope Sunday, our sermon text is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, which you can find on page 631 and 632 in the Old Testament in your pew Bibles. I mentioned this quote last week, and I want to share it again here because it seems particularly pertinent, but Frederick Buechner says that shall is the verb of hope. Shall is the verb of hope. Listen for how many times the verb of hope shows up in our passage this morning. Friends, hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love. Let's get swept up in this vision of hope. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you hear all of the shalls? All of the shalls. Shall is the verb of hope. What a hopeful vision. Each Sunday this Advent, we are going to ask our companion Isaiah to orient, situate, and properly posture our hearts to welcome Jesus. I've creatively titled our Advent series, get this, Advent with Isaiah. Very creative. The subtitle, Prophetic Preparation for a Season of Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love. Prophetic Preparation for a Season of Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love. This week, Isaiah gives us a vision knitted together by shalls, a vision of audacious hope. As a pastor, one of my most sacred responsibilities is to sit with people in precarious situations. Remember how I told you a couple weeks ago about Carol and Ron Weiss, in and out of the hospital too many times to count, over the last year or so. Well, just after Carol was discharged from the hospital, Ron was readmitted to the hospital last week. They thought he had a bad case of the flu, but his shortness of breath turned out being cardiac-related. It wasn't a virus. It was his heart. 
As you know, anything heart-related is very serious. So as, as Ron anxiously awaited test results and scans and imaging to come back amid the uncertainty about what was going on with his body's most important organ and all the fear and anxiety and worry that come along with that uncertainty, Ron's daughter-in-law, Stacy, called me and asked if I would be able to sit with him in his room in the ICU. When I heard heart trouble, I left in such a hurry that I forgot my coat, but I remembered my Bible. I made my way up to Morristown. I got my visitor check-in badge from the check-in station. I walked past the elevators, took a left at the gift shop, made my way through the automatic doors of the medical ICU, turned right around the nurse's station and went into room 13 of the medical ICU and sat with Ron. And the way the visit went was the way that most hospital visits go. Usually you start off with what I like to call body talk. You start to talk about what's wrong. You start to talk about, you start by talking about what's going on in the body that landed the person in the hospital. So Ron and I talked about his heart. And, and there, wasn't, there wasn't really too much to talk about since none of the tests had come back yet. He was just sitting in uncertainty. And then what usually happened, happened as it always does. The talk shifted, the, the conversation shifted from body talk to God talk, from, from matters of the body to matters of the spirit. I, uh, I was sitting there, and, and Ron, after we talked about his heart, the uncertainty with it, there was a long pause, and then I looked at him, and, and a smile started to creep up on his face. I couldn't believe it. And... Uh, and he, he said in a, in a gravelly, weak whisper, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And I couldn't believe it. The, the tiny little smile started to grow across his 89-year-old face into a full-blown, toothy smile. And, and the heaviness in the room lifted. The blanket that was over the room, the precariousness, of, the precariousness of the situation sort of lifted, and the smile grew. And he said to me, no matter what happens, I know he's with me. I know where I'm going to go. And I know I'm going to see him face to face. No matter what happens, I know he's with me. I know where I'm going to go. I know I'm going to see him face to face. That's hope. That's hope. As an aside, Ron has been discharged from the hospital and will begin rehab uh, with Carol at Kessler Rehabilitation in Chester this next week. But that's hope. No matter what happens, I know he's with me. I know where I'm going to go. I know I'm going to see him face to face. Listen to this poem by Emily Dickinson, entitled, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Emily Dickinson writes, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm.
I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. In our sermon text, Isaiah is caught up in a vision of hope, a vision of the day of the Lord, a vision of the ultimate redemption of all things, a vision of what will happen at Christ's second Adventus. And this vision, this this vision of hope, this vision of the future that Isaiah saw will only ultimately come about through the action of God. Yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This vision of hope, this vision of the future will only ultimately come about through the action of God. Hope looks back and remembers the way God acted in the past, creating everything from nothing and ordering it just so, just right, just perfect, sustaining the enormity of the cosmos with tenderness and might, redeeming the cosmos by entering into what he made, dying unjustly and rising victoriously. Hope looks back and remembers the way God acted in the past, is the way he's acting in the present, and is the way he will consummate the future. There is no other end the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of the cosmos could write. All peoples coming from the four corners of the earth, all nations flooding in from every continent into his presence, war tools transformed into shovels and rakes, warring nations morphed into brothers and sisters, a disordered dystopia made into a euphoric utopia. Hope will only ultimately come about through the action of God. Hope looks back and remembers the way God acted in the past is the way he's acting in the present, and is the way he will consummate the future. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. I know he's with me. I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to meet him face to face. That's hope. So on this Hope Sunday, do you dare hope? Do you risk hope? Can you risk hope? Might you, in faith, try hope? I'll give Frederick Buechner the last word here on hope. Frederick Buechner writes, Hope is the driving power and outermost edge of faith. Hope stands up to its knees in the past, and keeps its eyes on the future. There has never been a time past when God wasn't with us as the strength beyond our strength, the wisdom beyond our wisdom, 
as whatever it is in our hearts that keeps us human enough at least to get by despite everything in our lives that tends to wither the heart and make us less than human. And what he has done, he will continue to do. What he has begun in us and in our world, he will in unimaginable ways bring to fullness and fruition. And shall is the verb of hope. Then death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying. Then shall my eyes behold him and not as a stranger. Then his kingdom shall come at last and his will shall be done in us and through us and for us. Then the trees of the wood shall sing for joy as they already sing a little bit even now sometimes when the wind is in them and as underneath their singing our own hearts too already sing a little sometimes at this holy hope we have. The past and the future, memory and expectation, remember and hope, remember and wait. Wait for him whose face we all of us know because somewhere in the past we have faintly seen it whose life we all of us thirst for because somewhere in the past we have seen it lived and have maybe even had moments of living it ourselves. Remember him who remembers us as he promised to remember the thief who died beside him on on the cross. To have faith is to remember and wait, and to wait in hope is to have what we hope for already begin to come true in us through our hoping. On this first Sunday of Advent, On this Hope Sunday, I want you to think about a couple things. How has God been faithful to you? How is God being faithful to you right now, right here in the present? And how might your heart rest in our high and holy Christian hope? How might your heart rest in a future with no more sin, sickness, and suffering? How might your heart rest that the world is heading toward the Lamb coming back to make all things new? On this first Sunday of Advent, on this Hope Sunday, do you dare hope? Can you risk hope? Might you in faith try hope? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.